If you're a busy woman raising children and you want to learn to reverse engineer how you want to feel in all areas of your life, listen up. For the first time ever, I am teaching my energetic time management process. Not only am I teaching it live, but you're getting one-on-one access to me. Yes, you heard that correctly. You can reach out to me personally and get feedback on how this process is working in your life. So head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash workshop. As soon as you register, you are going to get a pre-recorded training video that you can watch over and over and over again that also has an accompanied PDF, step-by-step. I'm literally showing you step-by-step. You're also going to be... um, given the details to reach out to me one-on-one and my team so we can support you as you're integrating this work in your busy schedule. And we're also going to be throwing in two live group Q&A calls. So come ask your questions. I'm going to show you how to integrate energetic time management, not just at home, but in your work as well. Ask all your questions, and I'm there to help you live in alignment with how you want to feel. Head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash workshop and join us live today in May. Three things that I'm doing to actively avoid a midlife crisis as my first born is leaving home. Hello, ladies. So I never thought I was actually going to, I don't want to say I didn't think I was going to arrive at this stage in my life, but maybe because I had children early, I was 18 years old when I gave birth to my son, who is 19 or will be 19 by the time this goes out. And um, it's funny how things just sneak up on you, isn't it? Most of my friends have small children. Some are still having children. And here I am with three boys who are 19, 14, and 11. And if I wanted to have another baby right now, although it's not in the cards for myself and my husband, um, I could. And the reality is, you know, you you're like in a moment, you like, have children. And I see so many people in this and you're like in the messy middle of parenting. You're in the messy middle of mothering and you're thinking this is never going to stop. And then, you know, your children grow and develop and you're like, okay, now I get more sleep, but we have now challenges with school. And then, you know, that kind of evens out and you're like, okay, we're not challenged with school, but now we're challenged with mental health. Okay. We're not challenged with mental health, but now we're challenged with, you know, they're struggling with their relationships and, oh my God, they're out in the real world and they have to make money and they don't have money management. And you're just, there's always something to worry about with our children. Anyways, when I was taking notes about this episode and what I wanted to talk about, I was like, I was actually thinking about how my oldest is about to quote unquote fly the nest, his version of going to college. He's going to travel um, 
And I actually think I'm going to interview him before he leaves and I'll put that up. So we'll talk more about his journey, but he's going to go and travel. And, um, I was thinking about this and I was like, what am I doing to get ahead of this season of my life? So there's three things. I'll tell you what the three things are right now. You can write them down and then you can listen to me gab. So the three things are I'm paying attention to how I feel about it um, and where I'm trying to grab on to control and paying attention to my triggers. Number two is knowing my default coping strategies, which might be overeating, overworking, oversleeping, um, avoidance behaviors, um, Netflix, like a whole bunch of stuff. And then number three is developing life-enhancing habits slash focus outside of parenting and work um, to make sure that I'm not now diverting the attention that I used to put on my oldest child, who was like the one that challenged me the most. Now that I'm not over-mothering or over-nurturing the other two kids because I'm like, oh, I have this time and energy. I got to you know put that attention somewhere else. So I'm going to talk about these three in great length, but those are the three things. If you wanted to know what the secret was, the three secrets that I'm trying to talk about, um, I'm saying that quietly because I don't believe in secrets and I think secrets are bullshit. Um, This takes energy and effort. So let's go back in time. My oldest child, um, if you read my book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, was like, literally gave me life. Like it makes me want to cry right now. Like gave me purpose. The second I became a mother and I looked at him, I just remember feeling like I'm living for you now. I was 18. I was single. Um, I got pregnant with a gentleman who was my boyfriend and, um, has since passed from a drug overdose. And I knew he was not mentally stable. And so I made a conscious decision at the age of 18 without my parents' input that I was, he was not going to be in my life. And I just cut him out and was like, you go do you, don't worry about it. I will take care of our son. Um, And I protected myself and my son. Um, It makes me emotional. Um, As if my life depended on it. And um, I was like, we're going to fucking figure this out. And I ran towards my mountain, as I call it. I ran towards the resistance, but I was also running away from this man um, in fear of him harming my child. Um, I say my child, not our child, my child. And so becoming a mother was incredibly traumatic for me. And I kept running, right? So my purpose was mothering and I lived and breathed and literally got out of bed every morning for this kid. And he taught me about purpose. He taught me that you can live a life that's like much bigger than you. So to say that when, you know, I think oftentimes people are like, wow, why did this hit me so hard when you know, maybe the other child leaving didn't hit me so hard. And to be honest, I think it's because it re-triggers your trauma of what happened at certain stages in your life. And um, yeah. And so there's been things that have happened in my parenting journey for the last 19 years when my son has left me, like example, went to camp in the summer, which 
I actively sent him to camp and I could feel my emotional trigger and my emotional attachment to that. And when he left, there was this fierce panic in my body. And I went into fight or flight that like something bad is going to happen to him when he's out of my hands. And I realized that my reaction to that um, was a trauma response, right? That I am reacting because I'm going back to the moment that he was born when I had to, I went into fight or flight and I had to protect him. So there's a story that happened at the hospital and I talk about it. I believe I talk about it in my book. I don't even actually, that's how much I've um, eliminated it from my brain but I don't actually remember if I talk about it in the book, but um, at the hospital, his biological father came in and he was there and he had a knife um, and he um, looked at me and he said, this child should not be alive. Um, in the moment I knew he didn't mean that logically and he wasn't going to harm my son. He, um, he was in psychosis. And he was trying to protect him from like a, a warrior place. And I knew that, but I, I just didn't want him to snap and something to happen. So I went into fierce, fierce protection mode. So I operated like that for years, uh, consciously, unconsciously. I got pats on the back for it. Nobody ever talked to me about trauma. Um, I did go to therapy here and there, but, um, I don't even know if anyone could talk to me about it, to be honest with you. Like, I don't think we'd be like, this is a trauma response. Um, but nobody like really said like, Heather, you're living from a place of reactivity. I was actually literally, I was just getting pats on the back for my, what people would have perceived as ambition or hustle. But like, I had to make it happen, right? Because my life depended on it. My child's life depended on it. So that's, that was my parenting journey. That was the beginning of that. It was incredibly traumatic. And that was where my attachment and identity to parenting was like everything, live, breathe for this child. Then I have two more boys um, in a healthy, loving relationship, and which was a whole other can of worms for me, which was like, how do you co-parent with somebody that like wants to be in the child's life and is mentally stable. So that was interesting. So, and then I felt like I was failing in those mothering journeys because it was way easier at the beginning. Um, and I had so much more support. So I felt like I was failing <coughs> because my hyper independence wasn't coming out. So if you wonder why, like one child triggers you more than others. It's like, what's your, what's your bonding story together? Right. And sometimes it is the catapult into parenting. Um, so when I look at my children, I have three very different connections with them and bonds. And, um, I can have either or with my oldest where we have this very unique connection and it's like, Let's see if I can get through today without crying. It's like him and I against the world and he feels like a part of the family, but he will, I think he will always feel othered. Um, and then the other two are there too. It's just, it's so weird to me, but like you love your children so much, but you love them very differently based on who you were when they entered your life. And also 
every relationship is different. Some children are biological, some are adopted, some are gifted, some, you know, there's just so many different ways. I say gifted because I'm just saying children don't have to come into our lives biologically or through adoption. Sometimes they are family and you're like, how did you even come into my life? Like you just, you're bonded somehow. So anyways, my point is two years ago ish, I'm going to say it's two years ago. It could have been five years ago, but I feel like it's two years ago. I could feel this coming. I could feel the end of high school happening. I could feel, um, it's like, I knew the end was coming. I was like, he's gonna, the next step is here. He's going to grow up. He's going to like, he's going to leave me. I could feel it. It was like, my heart was like ripping itself out of its, my chest. Um, I could feel it coming. And so my reaction at the beginning when I was scared and I felt out of control was to control. <clears throat> so what do you do? And I'm, I tell you my stories. I help people with this, but I tell you my stories in hopes that you are like, one, I feel connected. I empathize. I'm not alone in the world. And I hope you just learn something of like how I handle certain things. So number one is paying attention to how you feel about it and where you grab onto control. So because I had kind of like, let's say the introduction of this separation a few years ago, and I could feel it coming, I started paying attention to my triggers. So this really manifested through behavior. So the more he was trying to like create his own identity outside of me and like from me, like, Hey, I'm going to start driving. I'm never going to be home again. Um, and he's trying to figure out who he is too. Um, I felt out of control internally because I can't control him, right? So I had to work a lot on myself in the last um, two years, like extra. <laughs> I feel like I've been working a lot on myself for the last 19 plus years, but like, frick me, that was like extra level. Um, I mean, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that was that was so worth it. But like, when you're in it, you're like, fuck me, that's hell. So anyone in my mastery program is like, yeah, I hear you, but you get what I'm saying. So pay attention to how you feel about it, where you're grabbing onto control, what's triggering you do the turnarounds in our community. We do a lot of Byron Katie work, belief work. Um, we talk a lot about like, what's the meaning and then like turning around so you can actually gain emotional freedom from it. So I got to a point where I was like, he's triggering me. Why is he triggering me? What does this say? Is this true? What does this say about me? And then being able to mentally, emotionally free myself from that. So he can go do him. And I'm like, he might fuck up. The worst case scenario might actually happen when he's out there in the world and I can't control him, but I need to come to terms and be okay that he's okay out there. Right. Can you see the codependency? I mean, there's a healthy sense of codependency and then there's an unhealthy sense. And I had to find the, the balance between the loving connection as a mother who cares. Um, and I didn't want to completely disconnect and disassociate. Um, but the balance of like, I love you. I am worried and scared because I'm a parent, but I got to live my best life and I got to be emotionally free from this. And I can't, you know, be in bed in fetal position. Um, 
eating away my problems, drinking away my problems because I have feelings. Number two, the three things that I'm doing to get ahead of my midlife crisis when my child leaves the nest is knowing my coping strategies. I'm very aware of my coping strategies. So, um, and I also think the more self-awareness you have, the more aware you become of your pot, like life enhancing and like quote unquote negative coping strategies. So I would say the first one that I ever became, um, aware of, uh, years and years and years ago was sleep. So I actually, um, I would say my was oversleeping was my drug of choice that my body literally falls asleep when I'm incredibly stressed out. Um, so where some people can't sleep, I just fall asleep. Um, I will oversleep. I will be like, I need a nap. And it would be like four hours. I have improved. I would say I've healed myself from that. Um, but there were years where it was, it was hell. And if you were want to have a conversation about that, I'm, I'm happy to engage in a conversation, like send me a private message on Instagram at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N. Um, because that was an interesting addiction to, uh, to break because nobody talks about it and it's culturally acceptable, especially in the, in the personal development space, sleep more, sleep more, sleep more, uh, naps are good. Rest, 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 rest. And I was like, but this isn't rest. It's a coping strategy. I don't feel good. I feel like more anxious and depressed when I wake up. So it was, um, it was interesting. I felt alone in breaking that cycle for myself. Um, if you do want a whole podcast on that, I'm happy to do it. Just let me know. So, and I would say snacking, right? Eating when you're bored. Counting macros really helped me with that. Um, learning nutrition, protein, carbs, and fats. What should I be eating in a day? Really paying attention to like, am I eating because I'm actually hungry or am I eating because I'm bored or am I eating because I'm emotional? It's just been fascinating. That has been, um, I really invested in nutrition about three years ago like during COVID, um, game changer. Like, yes, I didn't feel amazing in my body. I wanted to quote unquote release weight from my body, but I feel so empowered now around food. Um, and I still will emotionally eat, but the beauty of that is it's like quote unquote under control. And when the scale is going up or something's happening, I do check in and go, what's happening with me emotionally and then I'm like, ah, there you go. And I literally clean up my habits and then the scale will start to go down again, which means like I'm walking more. I'm not like scrolling on the internet. I'm, um, you know, I'm eating meals. I'm not, um, binge eating at night or, you know, bag of chips or whatever it is. So, um, knowing your coping strategies is very, very important to get ahead of these things when you know big life transition is going to be happening. Because if you have the self-awareness, then you know where to change your behavior. So other things like scrolling, why am I scrolling on the internet? Why do I even have the time to scroll? Why am I not reading a book? Why am I like, what am I trying to do from disassociating from feelings or whatever? Um, Netflix, like too much Netflix. Like I enjoy a good Netflix binge, but <clears throat> is it life enhancing? Now this comes to the third one. So the third thing that I am doing to get ahead and avoid a midlife crisis is developing life enhancing habits slash 
focus outside of parenting and work. Um, this is what I want to say about this. I find, I'm going to give you an example. I want you to visualize a week, like seven days a week. Okay. And I'm just going to use this. I don't feel like a lot of people work this way anymore, but let's say you work nine to five Monday through Friday, like actually clock in and clock out. Okay. Well, let's pretend you, um, won the lottery and quit your job. You don't have to work anymore. Okay. So you're like, wow, I don't have to work nine to five anymore. All that time is now freed up. You tell yourself you need more time. Oh, I will do this when my kids get older. I'll do this when they're back in school. I'll do this when I win the lottery. I'll do this when blah, 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 when I have more time. Then you have more time, but it wasn't actually time that was stopping you. You were using time as the excuse. So what do you think you're going to do with all that extra free time? You are going to fill it with busy work if you are not actively creating your life, right? So if I have three children and two, I have three children, three children live at home every day. I'm like, bing, bang, boom, bing, bang, boom, kid one, kid two, kid three, kid one, kid two. Like, are, did you do this? Did you do this? Like I'm managing three people. Now one leaves, I'm managing two people. You think that's easier, but is it right? Because one, I can start over mothering my other two children. Okay. Now I'm going to divert the attention from the quote unquote problem child or the child that was challenging for me. And I'm going to divert all of that time and mental energy. And I'm going to put that into the other two kids. So now I'm going to bug them and over control their behaviors. Or I'm going to take that energy and time and I'm going to pour it into my work. So now I'm going to overwork. Okay. Now I'm going to do that. I'm going to over, um, like it, you see how I'm moving from one relationship and now I'm refocusing on the other relationship. The intention is like, when I say life enhancing habits, I go back to how do I want to feel? Because I know deep down that when I feel better, everyone else around me benefits. My team benefits, my clients benefit, my children benefit. So I'm in this season of life of like, how can I actually work less? Like buy back time and energy. Doesn't mean I'm like not working at all, but it's just a mindset of like, how can I, how can I get more of my life back? So purposely putting those things on the calendar first, this is the core process that I talk about in my energetic time management strategy. Um, if you want to learn about ETM, go to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash ETM. There's like a, um, I, I walk you step-by-step step through the process. Anyways, when you do that process, you put yourself on the calendar first. You know exactly what your soul is craving and what you need, where you need to focus. So I rinsed and repeated. I'm practicing what I preach and I'm like, okay double down now, not when he leaves, before he leaves, double down now on developing the life enhancing strategies that are habits that I want to spend more time and energy on, um, 
outside of parenting, outside of my work. Okay. So I'm taking that mental energy and I'm putting it back into me. So working out more, investing in my health, um, joining a event, endurance event, like challenging my mind and my body and my soul. And I'm trying to do it in a healthy way, proactive way, not where I'm like becoming like a, I'm overtraining to cope, but I'm trying to channel the energy. So let me recap it for you. Three things or three ways that I am trying to get ahead of (laughs) not having a midlife crisis when my oldest child leaves the nest, the child who literally was such an ingrained part of my identity. And I've done, I've been years and years of identity work. So I actually, if I'm going to be radically honest with you right now, I feel really good. He's leaving in like two weeks and I may not be okay once he leaves, but I'm really proud of him and how he has stepped up to the plate. And my intuition tells me he's going to be fine. I'm going to be worried. My fear will be triggered, but, um, deep down, I know he's going to be okay. I know he's going to thrive. He's definitely going to fail and he'll thrive. Um, but that's the whole point, right? But I feel solid as a human. Like I feel so good. And I've been doing this work on myself and in all areas of my life for like over a decade. And I'll tell you for anyone, because we get a lot of women saying this, oh, I'll do this work when, and I'm like, you got to get ahead of it. It doesn't matter if it's like a divorce, a separation that you feel coming. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second, uh, a child leaving, like your parents getting older and aging, um, you know, for some of you who are not familiar, I had stage four cancer. That clearly wasn't something I expected. So from my past experience, I know I have to get ahead of these things. I have to be proactive. So let me give you an example. I'll have women come into our mastery program and, you know, it's like, we always ask them like, wouldn't it be nice if like, what do you want? Why are you here? What's the one thing we can help you with? Like if you could solve anything and oftentimes, not all the time, but sometimes one of their pain points is their partnership. And sometimes it's repaired. Most of the time it can be repaired. Sometimes it's like, they'll say, I have to leave, or I know I have to leave, whether they admit it or not, like deep down, they knew they had to leave or it wasn't going to last. Or they're like, this is my last straw. Like if I don't feel confident about this by the end of the year, I'm done. But it's a, it is a one of the relationships that's struggling. Um, not all the time, but sometimes. And where was I going with that? Oh, we have this conversation. And sometimes like a year or two, five years later, they're like, okay, I finally left. And I said, okay, go back in time. What was it that, why weren't you leaving? And they would say things to me like, I can't financially support myself. And I'm like, great. If you know you want to leave a relationship in a year, five years, you need to learn to make money now. Like you need to learn to feel in control of that area of your life. But what we do is we resist, we avoid, we resist, we avoid, and then you shove it under the rug. And then when shit hits the fam and you're like, I can't take this anymore. I have to leave. You still have to learn the skill of money management, but you just put it off. So then you have the skill of money management that you have to learn because now you have to pay your own bills or whatever. And then 
Um, there's other things you have to learn, right? Like you're just like, oh, I never did this. I never did that. So now you have all these skill buildings and habit buildings and habit stackings that are required of you. So even if down the road, so I do this all the time, I future forecast all the time. And I go to like, I go to the extremes. Wouldn't it be nice if, and I'm like, how big can I think? How big can I dream? Right. And I'm like, okay, how good can I get? And I think about that. And to be honest, sometimes I have like disbelief and like those things are possible for myself, but then I go to the opposite and I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, what's going to happen in five years from now in my life and 10 years, my mother lives with us. Um, I'm an only child. I'm going to be financially responsible for her. I am going to, her health is going to deteriorate. And I know that I'm going to have to, if I need additional support, cause I'm going to be her sole caregiver. If I need additional support, I'm going to have to pay for it. So I need to get ahead of that now so that I don't worry, have financial worries and then that's going to put a burden on my marriage. And then that's going to put a burden on my health. So I'm getting ahead of that 5, 10, 15, 20 years ahead of the curve. Just in one area. Okay, my mom's going to age. This is her situation. And I say to her, like, like she's a typical baby boomer. It's it's like we we have to think differently than they did. So other things. Okay. That's somebody else. That's only one parent. I'm not even talking about both of my parents. Um, now children, hello, children, futures of my children, all leaving the nest, all going on to, you know, post-secondary education or whatever their lives. And, um, maybe one day getting married and having their own family. Great. What type of grandparent do I want to be? And I can tell you right now, I'm probably going to be very similar to the mother that I was um, I'll be the homesteader, but like, I'm not going to be like, I'll be hands-on, but in my mind right now, I won't be babysitting five days a week, but do you know what I would honestly do? And I thought about this and I was thinking about this the other day. I would give my children their inheritance early and be like, guess what? Like working class, like young kids. I would be like, I will help you invest in childcare so you can have a better quality of life while your kids are like from zero to like school age, like for the first 10 years of their life, I will pay for all the childcare as you like build your careers and do that. Like, honestly, in hindsight, I would much rather my parents have given me money to pay for childcare than to give me that money when they die. Um, so this is how I think differently, but my point is who do I need to become now to get ahead of these scenarios. That was a complete rant. Anywho, um, I feel like there's 80 podcast topics that I could have went on there. Three things <laughs> that I am currently doing to not have a midlife crisis when my oldest child, when my firstborn leaves the nest. Paying attention to how I feel about it where I'm emotionally triggered, being aware, knowing my current coping strategies, like how am I actually coping with those feelings that I don't want to feel? And then really one, practicing what I preach. I rinse and repeat. I literally 
am my own student of my work. And I'm like, guys, this isn't rocket science. It's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. People try to overcomplicate it. Like it's so simple. It's just emotionally uncomfortable. So I try to make it so simple. And then the third thing is really developing those life enhancing habits and focus outside of my parenting and my work so that I'm like, I got you. I've even had this conversation with my son because we talk a lot because there's definitely codependency there. Um, and I think that's part, that's going to be part of his journey, which is why I really, really encouraged him to go away, which is not the easiest thing to say to your child. Um, but I'm doing it because I love him and I know that's what he actually needs, but not what I want. Um, and I'm just encouraging it. It's not forever. It's actually just only for a few months. And the beauty of that is, is when you develop a really good relationship and connection with your child they're going to want to come home. Like they want to be home. Um, and you can still develop connection with your kids when they're gone. They're just not in your physical space all the time. So we're going to be connected. I will be, you know, visiting him and doing all the things, but I just don't want to be emotional baggage for him. I don't want to be a burden. Um, and that was the thing as well. Cause he was like, are you going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? And I, I know this makes me really emotional. I know that the better I become, um, the more I take care of myself right now to get ahead of this, the more um, I am emotionally taking off of his plate because I don't want him to worry about me. So I know if you're listening to this, you can empathize. If you have a parent who feels like an emotional burden on you because they're not doing their work, right? They're doing, they're not they're not owning their power. They're not taking responsibility for some area of their life. And most of the time it's the emotional intelligence stuff because they weren't taught that. So they just don't get it. It's a language they don't understand. I think they, it's just a generation they grew up in. Um, so I want to do that work so that my children can be like, I know you're worried about me. I know you're scared, but I know you can handle it. And I just don't want to put my shit on their plate. Um, and I will if I need them. Right. And I know that if I keep telling them, I'm like, if you're struggling, I'm, I'm coming to get you. Um, I will never let you drown. I will. And I will be watching like a hawk from afar. So <laughs> those are the three ways that I'm getting ahead of my midlife crisis, even though I'll probably have more tears than normal, but I'm really excited and scared at the same time. It's a new unknown phase and stage of my life. And I know a lot of women listening to this have probably already been there um, or are approaching it. And that's another reason why I think we need each other. So um, that's it. I hope this was valuable. If it was, please reshare it. Tag me on Instagram at Heather Chauvet. Um, send me a message on Instagram. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was. I sometimes joke that I wish I taught people how to make green smoothies for a living, but I know I'm doing that because I'm trying to run away from what brings me joy. And what brings me joy is helping women and men, families in general, and children feel alive. And sometimes that journey to feeling alive is painful. It's emotionally uncomfortable and it's not always easy. This is why I created the Aligned Life Quiz. 
So if you're tired of being tired, you want to stop just surviving and you want to find out exactly where to focus and access realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions, and impact, you can head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash life quiz. It takes you two minutes and it's going to show you. I call them internal leadership skills. Where do you need to focus your energy and attention for the quickest results? And also, which phase are you living in? So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash life quiz to take the aligned life quiz right now. If you're ready to stop just surviving and you want to start thriving, but you don't know how to manage it all, go there. It will take you two minutes and it will change your life. I also, on the inside, show you which podcast episodes to listen to based on your quiz results. HeatherChauvin.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E, quiz. 